0: Once again, good morning, everybody. If you will, (laughs) will you turn to John 21, text today? John 21, 15 to the end of the chapter. 15 through 25. And if you find it, would you please stand? John 21, verses 15 through 25. Verse 15. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lamb. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following him, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that his disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing the witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did wherever one of one of them could be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the book that would be written. Let's pray.
1: <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord is always looking to you for help, for enablement. Uh, Lord, desiring that you enable us to do what we cannot otherwise do and that is First of all, understand your truth. And then, secondly, rightly apply it. Father, we um, desire to live in a manner pleasing to you. We desire that you are honored and glorified. So we pray, Lord, make us receptive to your truth and empower us to live it out. Lord, may the truth that's communicated here in this gospel the truth of the lordship of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus is the only Savior. May these truths be at work in us and evidenced by our speech and our conduct so that our lives are given over to your glory. Lord, teach us to be, just as you did uh, Peter here, we pray. Teach us and empower us to be faithful followers. Of Jesus, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Can be seated. <clears throat> Let me just um, quickly, Amen. What Sheila said earlier, um, and that is the you know the the, the exhortation that she gave to uh, to get in on the studies that go on. Um, what a privilege we have. Uh, in, in our uh, world, our culture, um, to be able to gather and do what we do. And uh, it's one that is easily taken for granted. And so as Christians, you know, we have to be on guard against that kind of, uh, uh, well, that kind of, let's just face it, that, that kind of sin and, uh, um, and try to um, take advantage of and, and use what God uh, provides for us. And so it's a great blessing to be able to get together and study together and worship together and, and uh, help each other and uh, help grow each other. And so anyway, it's just a tremendous blessing and a, triv- and a tremendous privilege. So I encourage you to get in on that. We have, um, as part of that, of course, part of that is, is uh, what we just finished, Sunday school classes. And uh, also, as part of that, we have um, um, classes at 5 p.m. this evening uh, for the men, for the ladies, and then there's uh, uh, Kids Voice for the kids. Um, and as well as Wednesday night and, and other stuff. So um, I just encourage you to, to participate because was right. It's, it's a blessing and it's a, it's a good time of fellowship. And you know, the commission that we profess to adhere to is to go and make disciples, right? So, I mean, Jesus didn't say, you know, go and hear a sermon once a week or something like that, although that's part of it. But it, it, it is that we are to be disciples which is a full-time, 24-7 way of life, and that we are to be disciple-makers. And so, it's, again, it's a, it's a responsibility, but it's also a great privilege I mean, that the Lord would even let us in on these things and, uh, and provide them for us. So, so I just, you know, amen what Sheila was saying. Um, it's, it's here to be taken advantage of, so uh, don't feel bad about taking advantage of it. Come on, <laughs> come on and do it, all right? It's kind of like those uh, biscuits and gravy this morning. I didn't feel bad about it at all when I I ate them because uh, I was thankful. (laughs) Thankful that they were there uh, on the bar. Yes, yes. Sure. Travis White. Travis White. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Amen. Travis White. Remember that. And, then, and that also very similar to what uh, David Corbett's going through. So um, let me just say, uh, as a reminder, you know, pray for David as well. Um, in David's case, they are actually refusing him surgery. Uh, they won't remove his gallbladder, um, so. Uh, but he has he has um, kidney disease and a bad gallbladder, and um, you know they're they're just not going to do anything. So uh, remember David as well. I say they're not going to do anything. The Lord can can change that, uh, uh, but uh, what they're saying is they're not going to do anything. Okay. I'm going to give you a little heads up here because today, it looks like today, Lord willing, we, we will finish John today, uh, you know, this evening. It'll be our last time in John. So, if, again, I want to once again this evening give you uh, opportunity if there's any, any questions regarding anything we've discussed in the book of John um, or, you know, uh, maybe something jumps out at you if it hasn't already, maybe, maybe today. and So I want to have a little time for interaction this evening um, on the Gospel of John before we move on. Um my plan, Lord willing, is I'll probably do something a little different next Sunday. But beyond that, um, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Beyond that, what I'm looking at is the book of Acts. And uh, so if you want to go uh, ahead and read the book of Acts, I encourage you to do that. Um, or or at least, you know, maybe the first chapter or two just, just to kind of uh, be in preparation for that. But pray. You know, this is... We always want the... God's word to affect us. That's why I pray the way I pray when I get up here. I really, it really is, you know, my my hope, my my desire is that we not just hear the word, you know, that just kind of goes by. Um, Lord knows that uh, I'm good at that. You know, so I, I I hear things all the time, and and uh, you know, just like we say, in one ear and out the other. Um, but we don't want to do that with God's word. We don't want to. We don't want to just hear it and then lose it. Uh, we, we want it to sink in. We want it to have the desired effect on us. We want it to change us. Jesus prayed. We saw that in John 17, right? Jesus prayed to the Father, sanctify them. That's you and me. I mean, he was praying for the church. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. John 17:17. 17, 17. So the, the means through which God sanctifies us is the Word. It's through the Word that we're born again. And then it's through the Word that we are sanctified. That is, that we grow, we become holy, we're made holy. And every Christian, I think, desires to be holy. That's basically what uh, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. And we have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. We want to be made holy. And the Word of God is the means through which God does that. God, by His Spirit, by the power of His Spirit, works on us through His truth. His Word, He brings it home to us. He, 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 he doesn't so much make it alive to us as He does make us alive to it. You know, He opens up our understanding because it's already alive and it already is what it is, the, the, the Word of God. But He opens up our understanding to it and He begins to bring us into, into conformity to it. He does that through His Word. That's how He makes us into the likeness of Christ. So, so we want God's word to have have uh, His desired effect upon us. So pray, pray that that'll be the case with with the book of Acts too, because we're gonna, um, uh, Lord willing, I mean, I don't see how we cannot do this going through the book of Acts. We'll be talking a lot about um, how can I say this? You know, evangelism, missions, church growth, uh, because those things are central to the book of Acts. Um, Sometimes, uh, in fact, I'm 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 looking at the heading in, in my Bible here, because it's across the page from John 21, and it says the acts of the apostles. In other words, we would say actions. You know, in other words, our deeds, the deeds. But what the book is really about is the acts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it is it is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, working through Christians, not not only the apostles, but um, first the apostles and then and then other Christians as well. And I don't you know, want to, um, although you can go ahead and read the, read the book, but uh, you know, I don't want to give you the end of the story before we even get started, but you probably already know it anyway. But God grows the church, um, founded upon the apostles and apostolic doctrine. but uh, as Ronnie was talking about in Sunday school this morning, they're not, it wasn't only the apostles that were evangelizing and carrying the Word. Um, it, it was just Christians spreading it throughout, um, throughout the, uh, the empire of that day. Well, our assignment is the same. We take the Word of God to the world. So um, that actually ties in real well with, with uh, the last part of John 21 too because this is the reason John is writing these things so that others would come to know Christ. We just talked about that in the, in the last chapter. Again, and I, I should mention this at least one more time, uh, the key verse for the whole gospel here, the gospel of John, um, is the purpose verses in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is saying, I've, I've written these things so that you may believe. And that's why they've been handed down to us, so that we can read and believe, and so that we can hand them to others, and so that they can read and believe, and so that we can proclaim them to others. There's a, uh, I'll just let you in on a secret here. There's a li- link on our website. If, uh, if you've ever been to FillmoreBaptist.org, if you haven't, um, repent and go to FillmoreBaptist.org, okay? Check it out. <laughs> um, but there's a link on the, on the main page of our website that says The Story of Jesus. And uh, that was put, in, put together. I didn't do it. Um, um, <laughs> um, I don't have the skill for that. It was translated. It was put together by um, Bill Mounts, who is a, a Greek scholar. But here's the secret he titled it intentionally, you know, he titled it The Story of Jesus. It's the Gospel of John. That's what it is, okay? <laughs> so, so, so some people, you know, if you if you were to tell them, here, read the Bible. Oh, I don't believe that stuff. But if you say, you know, and I've done this with people and in, in witnessing like in coffee shops and stuff, read because I've got some little, uh, uh, or a hat. I think I still have, some little booklets that that's, you know, what they are. Gospel of John. Here, read it. This is this is just kind of the story of Jesus here, <laughs> and hand it to him, and ask him to read it. All right. So um, that's there on the website if you want to check it out, and it's just kind of in story form. But it's uh, uh, Bill Mounce is a Greek scholar, and uh, it's it's uh, his translation of the Gospel of John. Okay. Um, powerful. All the gospels are powerful, but uh, but um, John is probably. Uh, uh, my favorite as far as recommending um, when, when somebody hasn't, hasn't read the Bible or, or, you know, if you think they never understood it or whatever, I, I like to recommend that they start with the Gospel of John. Now, a couple things this morning. And here's what we're going to focus in on. There, I think this is what John is highlighting here um, as he, he gives us this little narrative of... Uh, this uh, dialogue between Jesus and Peter. Here's what we're going to highlight. I think this is what John highlights. Look at, first of all, in verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. We'll come back to that momentarily. And after saying this, he said to him, that is, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Follow me. And then... Over in verse 22, down in verse 22, Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come... Again, we'll come back to that momentarily and talk about that. What is that to you? You follow me. Again, Jesus saying to Peter, You follow me. I, I could, you couldn't think of a more appropriate way, I think, to... Uh, in this gospel, of course, there's good reason for that. You know, the Holy Spirit knows what He's doing, uh, and He's the He's the primary author here. Um, so, here John has laid out this narrative, the story of Jesus, if you want to call it that, or uh, as we have traditionally called it, uh, the gospel. That is the good news according to John, the Apostle John, about Jesus Christ. He has laid out this narrative, this story of the life and ministry of Jesus all the way through to the climax, His suffering, death on the cross at Calvary, and resurrection from the dead. And then He ends with this little story, which again we'll we'll talk about this morning, but notice the focus, follow me, follow me. So what, what better way? Here John says, I've written these things so that you may... Believe that He's the Christ, the Son of God, and so that believing you may have life. And that's kind of like through Peter, through this little story about Peter, he's making application. Um, He's telling us now. Because you might say, well, okay, John, I believe these things. Now, what do I do next? Follow. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Believe. Follow. Believe. Follow. Believe that He's the Christ, the Son of God. Follow Him. That is um, essential, and yet it seems to me, and I think this is changing, praise God for that, but it seems to me that by and large that element is left out in what we call evangelism today. There's uh, There's a lot of emphasis on believe, 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 or confess, you know, believe that Jesus is Christ, confess Jesus, ask forgiveness of sins, but very little emphasis on follow Him. And you don't have, really, the Great Commission without that. Again, the Great Commission is go make disciples. That is, you, you make followers, of Je- not of self, but of Jesus. You make followers of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them, Jesus said, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, they are to, Jesus is saying, they are to follow me just like you follow me. So what better way to end the the gospel that is written to persuade us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, but then to say, now, follow Him, follow Him. So let's go back and look at this um, event here with Peter. And remember, um, this is um, when they were out in the boat fishing. Remember Peter had said, well, you know, I go fishing and so the... The, the, the other disciples go with him. And then as they're fishing, they, they, they've toiled all night and not caught anything. And Jesus stands on the shore and calls out to them and says, children, have you caught anything? And they, they don't know who he is, um, but they yell back, you know, no. And he says, well, cast a, the cast a net on the right side of the boat and, you know, you'll, you'll get something. And so they do that and they take in a load of fish that they have to drag into the shore but at that point, you know, they, they realize, okay, that's the Lord. John, the beloved, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved here, he, he just kind of blurts out, it's the Lord! You know, when he sees another miracle here done by Jesus. And Peter jumps in the, in the, in the water and, and heads for the shore. And then Jesus has breakfast for them. Um, so there's, we have good scriptural, scripturally sound reason for the biscuits and gravy in the back. I just want you to know... Um, what Jesus did, you know, he, had, he provided breakfast for him and uh, uh, broiled fish. Can you imagine? I bet you that was some good fish, you know. There uh, can't be a better cook than Jesus. <laughs> I've had some good fish, but, I, but it can't, there can't be a better cook than Jesus. So he had fish for them, and then they, take, they bring in the fish that they brought in. And so this is all following that, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, and I don't know if this is you know, better to have a discussion on a full stomach. I don't know. Um, probably not, but something to consider anyway. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, I think there's a couple of things going on here. And uh, the, the first one is this. Uh, Jesus restores Peter. I think that's what's really happening here. You say, well, why? What's that about? Well, remember, Peter's the one who denied the Lord on the night of the crucifixion. And In one sense, um, you might say, well, you know, we see guilt in all of them because they all scattered, right? But Peter did. I mean, he just out and out when he was asked, when he was confronted. Three times. Do you know this man? Aren't you one of his followers? He just flat out denied it. Cursed him. No, I don't. I don't. I, you know, I don't know that man. Never seen that man. He just flat out denied that he knew the Lord three times. Now, another reason that that um, I think has some significance to it is because Peter was so adamant about his love for the Lord and his willingness to die for the Lord. I Probably, you know, if we'd have just been around and been in on the scene and, you know, prior to Jesus' arrest and all that, we might have thought, you know, with Peter's boldness and his outspokenness and so forth, we might have thought he would be the last one to deny him. And he certainly did. Talk that way. Let me give you a couple of examples um, from chapter 13, verses 37 and 38. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Now, you know, that was, that was true, but it wasn't true. I mean, when, it, when they came to arrest Jesus... Peter pulled out his, his uh, little sword there and took off the high priest servant's ear. I mean, apparently he was ready to, to die physically in defense of Jesus. So he laid down his life for Jesus. I mean, he seemed like at that point, the proof was in the pudding, right? He was, he was putting his money where his mouth is, so to speak. The problem is, in the process of doing that, he's fighting God's will. God's will was not a revolution, you know, that, that this this band of Jesus followers would rise up and overthrow the Roman government. That wasn't God's will. God's will was for Jesus to go to the cross and die for the sins of His people. And if that hadn't happened, there wouldn't be any hope for any of us. So Peter's devotion to the Lord was, was really... Um, self-defined. I mean, he, he, it was defined by what he thought was best and the way he thought things ought to go. And so he he would lay down his life, or risk laying down his life physically in defense of Jesus in order to keep the plan moving, but, it, but the problem is it was his plan that he was trying to keep moving. Trying to keep going forward. But he wasn't You see, that doesn't require dying to self. He he wasn't willing to lay down his life in that sense, that he would sacrifice his his own desires, his own will for the will of God. He he hadn't come to that point yet. There are a lot of people out there in in the world today dying physically. They even call them martyrs. They're not doing God's will. They're fighting God's will. And there's no glory in it, in truth. And they do it in the name of Allah. And some of them, I suppose, uh, even do it in the name of Christianity. Um, Paul says that's possible in 1 Corinthians 13. You can give your life to be burned, your body to be burned, Not no love in it. So it's not just a willingness to lay down your physical life or to put yourself in danger or something like that that Jesus is looking for. What Jesus requires of His disciples is that you die to self. You, you, you lay down your life in that sense. And you say like, like He did, not my will but yours be done. And so Peter was willing to lay down his life in one sense, but then in the sense that counted the most, he was not. And Jesus told him "Quick." Again, in John thirteen thirty-eight, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So, Peter had been very vocal about his supposed devotion to the Lord. And yet, in spite of that, and just like Jesus predicted, um, Peter denied the Lord three times the night of Jesus' arrest. Now, I think that's what is, what's going on here, is Jesus is now graciously, and let me emphasize that. I mean, this is so good because you, you, you think about us. I mean, you put ourselves, kind of put ourselves in Peter's place. Think about my own failures And here, Jesus comes back to Peter graciously, you know, kind of one-on-one type thing, and restores him. I mean, he's letting Peter know here that um, it's all good, if I can say it that way. You know what I mean? I mean, Peter is contrite and, and repentant about that. In fact, that same night, you know, it says he wept bitterly after the third denial and Jesus graciously comes back and shores Peter up, you know? I mean, he's going to let him know, hey, I'm not I'm not done with you and, and y- you know, yes, I mean, Jesus doesn't deny the failure or anything like that, but he's letting him know um I've got it covered. And I'm still going to use you and you're going to accomplish what you didn't even dream you were able to. So here's how he does it. Three times he asks Peter, does he love him? In verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And if your version, by the way, says Bar-Jonah, that's, that's what that means, son of John. Bar is, is one of the ways they would say son of. Um, so that's how they identified people. You know, have, uh, you know, it wasn't John Smith or, you know, something like that. They, they would identify them by their... Father, <clears throat> Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." Now, three times here, Jesus asks a question. Three times Peter answers, and there there are little slight differences each time. I want to I want to uh, highlight a little bit. And so, one is this: the first the first question is, "Do you love me more than these?" Now. What or who is the these that Jesus is talking about in verse 15? Simon, do you love me more than these? Well, I'm going to give you three options here and tell you which one, then I'll tell you which one I think is correct. But just grammatically, I mean, it could be talking about the fish. John's just told us they counted 153 fish, and he's told us, you know, that they're out there fishing. So, in other words, he could be saying, Simon, do you love me more than this occupation, fishing? Still a relevant question, isn't it? We, we, we could ask today. Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than hunting, Simon Peter? Do you love me more than, you know, fill in the blank? I see more people on Sunday morning. I, you know, I'll, I'll study, and, and I don't mean this in a condemning way. I'm just telling you this is just fact. I go in pilot on a, you know on a, on Sunday morning and, and read for a while, and uh, I don't see a whole lot of men and boys come in there that look like they're on their way to church. Now some of them may be. You understand? I don't I don't I can't read their minds, and I don't know what all's going on. I see tons of them coming. Not only men and boys, but men and girls too some of them have their, their their young daughters with them, all in camo. Now they might be going to church in camouflage. I mean, I'm not, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> they, they might be taking the four wheeler to church. I don't know, but they but they come in there, you know, with all the camouflage and the four wheelers and so forth. So so that's one possible way to understand this. You know, Simon, do you love me more than fishing? You know what's more important to you? What what's going to be your priority? These worldly things, fishing, hunting, or again fill in the blank. You know your career, um, your lazy boy, whatever it is. You know, like I say, fill in the, fill in the blank. Worldly things. That, that's one way of understanding. It could be secondly. Do you love me more than you love these disciples? I mean, you know, maybe they just got a a, a good fraternity here, they, they have a tight group, they've been traveling with each other for three, three and a half years, probably all good friends, and maybe, maybe Jesus is saying, do you place me above these other men, you know, do you, un- do you understand that I'm unique, do you love me more than these, or thirdly, And this is the one that I, that I think is correct. And thirdly, he could mean this, and I'm, par- again, paraphrasing just for explanation's sake. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? And I think that's what Jesus is asking. Simon, do you love me more than these? Why, why do I think that? Well, because of the verses we just read, like in, in John thirteen thirty seven and 38, where Peter was very... Um, Bold about his supposed devotion to the lord he he kind of set himself up that way like, like his devotion was greater. so I think that's what Jesus is asking. Simon, do you love me more than these other disciples is your Is your love really as strong as you have claimed it to be now again, remember this is coming. Behind his denials. So, once again, I mean, Jesus is doing what he so often does. He, he is really targeting Peter's heart and, ex- and just laying it bare. Do you love me more than these other men, Simon? In other words, do you love me more than these other men love me? And Peter answers, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I'm going to guess here, and this is speculation, but I'm I'm going to guess here that he, he probably doesn't say it so boldly. I'm guessing that because of everything that's taken place, including the denials, and also because Jesus repeats it. First, he says to him, feed my lambs. I want to come back to that momentarily. But then he, he asks again, verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? <laughs> and he said to him, that is Peter's answering, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Verse 17. He said to him a third time. Isn't that something? How, I mean, how the, the Lord is really highlighting something here. When you see repetition in the Scripture, it's usually for the purpose of emphasis. I mean, sometimes it, it'll be a name. You know, God called like, Saul! Saul! Why are you persecuting me? I mean, there's great emphasis there. I mean, he's getting his attention, and, I'm, and it worked. He got his attention. Moses, Moses! <laughs> it's for repetition. I mean, it's repetition for the purpose of emphasis. Or sometimes it's to, to highlight the importance of a statement. So, very common for Jesus to say, Amen, Amen, before he, before he made a statement. John records several of those. We've been through several of those. And usually that's translated truly, truly, or verily, barely. But, but literally it's amen. Uh, we say amen. Amen. In the south, that's how we say it. But Amen, amen. Amen, amen. And then Jesus would make a statement. Now, he put the amen in front of it instead of behind it. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is true. It was a way of highlighting what I'm about to tell you is true. Take note. Listen up. Hear. Take heed. And I think the same thing is at work here. It's not, it's not, Jesus is not hard of hearing, you know. What did you say? Do you, I said, do you love me, I, but I can speak up. No, he's, he's doing this for emphasis sake, for ours, for our sake as well, but primarily, you know, he, he's, he's getting Peter's attention. I mean, again, he's, he's just exposing his heart. And Jesus, I guarantee you, Jesus knows the answer. He knows the real answer. Simon could say yes, he could say no, I mean, one's true, one's not. Jesus would know which one was true, which one's not. But you know what? Just like you and I, Simon needs to know. He needs to know what the real answer is, especially coming behind, denying the Lord three times. Don't you think some doubts have gone through his mind? And that's what Jesus is working at fixing here. So he says again a third time, verse 17, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. I mean, this is getting to him. He's grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, I I think that's true. It's true. In other words, he's telling the truth. He, he may not even be r- real confident about it as, as I was just speculating, but I think he's telling the truth because the Lord doesn't say otherwise. And then Jesus just goes on to confirm that, to, to sure him up. Now, I want to point out one other thing because there, there's a, 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 on, on the three questions. There, there are two different words used here for love. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I don't think there's uh, any real significance uh, uh, in, the, in the different words. That w- one is agape. Jesus um, uses that in, in the first two questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? He uses the Greek term agape. And um, all three times Peter uses a different word for love, phileo. Philadelphia, uh, that word Philadelphia comes from that word. It means Philadelphia means brotherly love. Um, philio and adel, adelphos is a Greek word for brother, so brotherly love. Um, and Peter uses that word all three times. And finally, on the third question, Jesus uses it. There's a little bit of, of, of nuance to the different verbs, and it's possible, uh, you know, a lot of the older common... His commentators would say that um, agape represented a, a stronger type of love, and so Jesus is saying, do you love me? Like, do you have strong affection for me? And then Peter would respond and say, well, I, I like you a lot. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the idea. That the, and, and then Jesus would say, but do you have strong affection? Do you really love me? And Peter would say, well, you, Lord, you know you know, I like you a lot. And so finally Jesus says, brings it down to his level and says, Peter, do you, do you do you, like me? Do you love me like a friend? Do you like me a lot? And Peter grieved because he can't confirm the greater love, and he just says, ah, Yeah, Lord, you know everything. You know I like you a lot. That's, that's possible. I mean, that's a possibility here. But, but here's why I don't think that's what's going on, because um, throughout even this gospel, John uses those two words for love interchangeably in, in various places. Um, so I don't think he's really hi- highlighting the, the difference there, although I'm, I just mention it because it's a possibility. But I, I think uh, John, uh, part of John's style is that he uses synonyms instead of reusing the same word over and over and over and over. In fact, in this, this little sharp passage we just read, he does that um, with about three or four different words. For example, he uses different words for lamb or sheep. He uses different words for uh, the verb know. To know, Um, like, for example, when Peter says, um, you know, you know that I love you, you know all things, he uses different words for that. Um, So John's fond of synonyms. So I don't think there's any real significance in the difference in the verbs. I think what John is really highlighting is just that Jesus is putting so much emphasis on that question, Peter, do you love me? And it's a way, again, of restoring him. Now, so Jesus restores Peter. Now, secondly, Jesus commissions Peter. Now, I'll move through this quickly, but this is in the, in the uh, responses to the replies. But Jesus asks a question, Peter replies, and then Jesus responds. So, in verse 15, he says, Do you love me? Peter says, um, You know that I love you. And then Jesus says, Feed my lambs. And again, here... Um, in these three, um, three instances, John's going to use synonyms for the term feed and he's going to use synonyms for the, for the lamb or sheep. So he, he just likes doing that. So he said to him, feed my lambs. And then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you? Tend my sheep. So you've got feed my lambs, tend my sheep. And then the third time, verse 17, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So you've got feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Now, once again, there's a little bit of nuance in the synonyms. So, so let, me, let me point those out quickly quickly. Uh, not because I think there's a great difference in meaning, but, but I think when you put them all together, you get a fuller meaning. Does that make sense? Not, not that Jesus is saying different things, but, but he, he, the way that He's doing it, He's taking in a fuller, uh, fuller meaning. So, for example, the word feed are ten. First of all, in verse 15, feed, feed my lamb. Then you got that again in verse 17, feed my sheep. Simple word, just... Again, the idea of, of, uh, of to feed or to tend. But then in verse 16, he says, tend my sheep. Now, there he uses uh, the, the verb form of the, the word from which we get our word pastor. So you could say it this way, in, um, shepherd, but in, in the sense of a verb not uh, rather than the noun. Shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. So what's the difference in feed my sheep and shepherd my sheep? Well, again, like I say, I don't think it's that there's a big contrast. I think it, it's a way of taking in a fuller meaning. So you put the two together, feed my sheep and shepherd my sheep. Now you've got the whole, um, the whole range of, of the various aspects involved with shepherding or, or pastoring. It's a pastoral commission. Peter, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep. So in, in all of that, you, you could think of uh, you know, lead, feed, protect, provide for, all of those things that a shepherd does, right? So this is, this is his commission. He restores him, and now he commissions him. Peter, take care of the sheep, feed the sheep, shepherd the sheep. Now, one other little nuance here that I find interesting. In verse 15... The word that he uses for sheep, in fact, in the ESV, it's translated lambs. That's what it means, little lamb. So first, you know, Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus says, look, feed the little lambs, my little lambs. That's an important, uh, I don't even know if I should call it a side note, but that's a, a, I'm not spending a lot of time on it, so I guess we can call it a side note. But that's an important side note. The sheep always belong to Jesus. And he doesn't say, Peter, feed your sheep. Feed my sheep. All, all pastors have sheep they are, they are given charge over, but the sheep are always the Lord's sheep, right? So the commission is feed my little lambs the first time. And I've tried to... Well... Try to take that seriously over the years, and there's a couple ways I think of looking at it. One is this: it may, it may be that what Jesus has in mind there, I mean, in other words, he's just kind of using that as a metaphor for children, for children. And so, if that's the case, then then what he would be saying here is, Peter, you're you're going to be responsible for my flock, the young and the old. Don't neglect either one of them pastor's responsibility. You don't, don't, don't neglect any of them, the young or the old. Uh, another way probably of looking at it, again, metaphorically, maybe by lambs he, he means the new converts. Take care of the little ones, the new, the new lambs, the, 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 the new little converts. Be sure to feed them. Again, that's part of your pastoral responsibility, Peter. Take care of the, the young and the old physically or you know, spiritually young and old. That is, the new converts and the mature. Probably all of those things apply. I mean, I think it, we, we could go to other passages and, 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 uh, and find that teaching. Um, and so it's probably all kind of built in here as well. So first he says, feed the little lambs, and then in verses um, 16 and 17, it is shepherd my sheep, and then, 17, feed my sheep. So there's the commission. Peter, take care of my sheep. Feed them, lead them, protect them, provide for them. You say, how does Peter do all that? Well, um, we're going to see that, Lord willing, in the book of Acts. We're going we're to begin to see how that plays out. Um, And Peter fulfills his commission. Thirdly, Jesus encourages Peter. Now, this is going to sound like a strange way to put this on on these verses, verses eighteen and nineteen. But I think this is exactly what it is. It's a it's an exhortation, an encouragement. Again, he's shuring Peter up. Truly, truly. By the way, there it is. Amen, Amen. That means listen up. Got something important for you, Peter. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. What is Jesus talking about? I mean, because anybody that... that, To some extent, that's going to be true of anybody that lives long enough, Right? When you, were, when you were young, you just kind of did whatever you wanted to do, went where you wanted to go. When you're old, somebody's basically got to take you by the hand and lead you around. But Jesus is not just talking about the normal difficulties that come with aging here. We know that because verse 19 tells us why Jesus said that. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus said again, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Now, I mentioned this when we were talking about Jesus' crucifixion. It was, it was, it was customary, and they would have known this in the first century when they would go to crucify um, someone, they would lay the, the cross member out on the ground and they would have the prisoner lay down and stretch out their arms on the cross member and then they would nail their hands to it. Well, that appears to be what Jesus has in mind here because again, verse 19 says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. That part I'll probably have to come back to tonight, but let me just say this now. <clears throat> Jesus says, when you're old, you're going to glorify me in your death. <laughs> Listen, I think that's a word of encouragement. Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm not done with you. I'm going to get glory out of you. Yes, you denied me, but that's why I went to the cross to die for your sins. And you're you're going to be around a while because when you're old, you're going to be led somewhere you'd rather not go, but it's going to be for my glory. I wonder how often that played like a recording in Peter's mind as he lived out his life and suffered persecution and so forth. And then finally came to the point to where uh, that was fulfilled. One more point here. I know I'm out of time. I'm going to try to do this quick and we'll come back and have some discussion tonight. One more point here and I want to close with this. um, And that is Jesus' admonition. Verse 20, Peter turn that he admonishes Peter verse 20 Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved that's we presume that's John I think rightly so so Peter turned and saw John following them so evidently they're walking now probably along the beach there, talking and Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said Lord who is it that is going to betray you when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? You see what Peter's doing? What about... Okay, Jesus said, when you're old, you know, you're going to be taken somewhere you don't want to go. You're going to, you're going to die. That's the implication for my glory. And, and it seems like Peter gets that. And he says, what about that man? What's he going to do? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, If it is my will... That he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I want to finish here with a little story I'm going to personalize this a little bit um, in nineteen eighty six you know i was i was um that's when that's when the lord um, brought me to a point of submission, and my whole thing and and uh, you know it's kind of like these kids and and uh all these all all the high school ball players now are either going to the NFL or the NBA. I mean, if you ask them, that's what I'm saying. They're all going, right? Well, that's, you know, I, that's kind of the way I thought, too. You know, My, my life is going to be about making music. And, and you know, we, we play in these dives and stuff, and I just looked at that as um, paying dues, so to speak, to get to fulfill a dream. Well, the Lord, you know, He brought all that an end thank god graciously brought all that to an end one night brought me into he saved us saved myself and and leslie brought brought us into submission to his will but that didn't mean i didn't struggle with some things and in 1980 october 1986 i i I was watching probably shouldn't have been but i I, of course i did this religiously no pun intended prior to salvation and and some things you know you get weaned off of right so, in october of 1986 i'm I'm watching the cMA awards Country Music association awards um, and there's this guy some of you may i, I, have, I don't have a clue if he 's still on the scene or not because I, I' keep up with it anymore but if you may remember Paul Overstreet um, was excellent songwriter, and he had hit after hit after hit after. Hit. He was a good singer too, but mostly everybody else was doing his songs and That's how he was having the hits. He was writing them. Everybody else was singing them, Um, like uh, Randy Travis, you know, on the other hand, and and, uh, a bunch of them. Um, So he was just having a big night. He was winning award after award after award. And this man is a professing Christian, and as far as I've ever been able to tell, he loves Jesus. I mean, you know, most of them will get up there and tip their hat to the Lord. I mean, you know, you always hear this um, after they go through this litany of... uh, girlfriends and producers and whatever, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you, and mom, you know. Then then they say, oh, I want to thank my Lord, you know. Most of them do that. Uh, but Paul Overstreet, I'm just telling you, every every time he would open his mouth about Jesus, and he always made a point of doing that, it just seemed real. And that night, one award, he gets up with this co-writer, and the guy even kind of poked fun at it, you know, right up there on the podium, and he says, well, you know, because everybody knows Paul Overstreet's a Christian, and th- this other guy, and I don't even remember who he was. Well, I don't know what Paul's going to do tonight, but I'm going to party all night long, you know. And and uh, so, and then it, you know, it's Paul Overstreet's time to step up to the mic and say thanks. And and once again, he said, he said, I just want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ. He said, he said, if it wasn't, he said something like, if it wasn't for the fact that I know Jesus is Lord and Savior. You know, my heart would bust wide open right now because you know, you're just saying he was happy, and, and uh, but he always made a point of just talking about Jesus up there. And I, I remember I sat there think- and I thought, now <laughs> I can, I can still visualize this. I'm sitting in the chair in front of the TV and I'm thinking, now Lord, why can he do that? And I can't because I knew one thing I was already convinced of was that the Lord was telling me no more of that. Not even on the little small local level that I was doing it on. No more of that. And I remember sitting there thinking, why why, why can he do that, especially on that level? You know, he's a very famous man at the time. Why can he do that, and I can't? And I'm telling you, there have there, there been a, a few times, um, if you don't believe in this, you can tune this out, but... Um, there have been a few times in my Christian walk, handful, not, not a handful, not a whole bunch, but a handful where I just really felt like God spoke, you know? Not audibly, but clearly nonetheless. And, and most of those occasions I can think of, it was Scripture. In other words, He just spontaneously brought Scripture to my mind um, in a very strong way. I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than to say that. Um, in other words, I knew it wasn't just me going, oh yeah, you know, it was, it was, I was convinced. It seemed to me best I can discern is the Lord speaking. And that was one of those times. And I'm sitting there thinking, why, why can't He do that? And I can't do that. And I'm brand new at the time anyway. I don't even have a lot of Scripture in me. And this, that came to my mind just as clear. If I will, that He tarries until I come. What is that to you? You... Follow me. You know what that means? Let me, let me just translate that and put that in today's vernacular. It's none of your business and it's none of your concern. <laughs> you just do what I tell you to do. And you don't worry about what Paul Overstreet does. And you don't worry about what Joe Blow does or what Jane Doe does. You don't worry about what I've got them doing You do what I tell you. You follow me. That's what Jesus is telling Peter in a very gracious way. It's none of your business. It's none of your business what I do with John. If I want him to hang around, and Jesus knows it's going to be at least 2,000 years, right, before he comes back, at least. If I want him to hang around until I come, what difference does that make to you? you follow me well I have to close so I just want to again end on that note that that is what's highlighted here that's our responsibility are we believers I mean John said I wrote these things so that you believe we look at them now we either either do believe or we don't believe and, and if we believe then here's our responsibility follow Jesus follow Jesus. Would you stand, please? Got the classes at 5 p.m. and service again at 6. And I hope everybody has a good afternoon. Uh, Bob Atnip, you mind leading us in a word of prayer and we'll dismiss it.